Welcome everyone to the Principles Podcast, episode number one. And what we're doing is sharing principles of leadership, but principles of life, and really giving people an opportunity to share their stories because we can learn from experience our own experience, but we can also learn from the experiences of other people. And we want to provide a way for people to share their stories. So if you've got a, a story to share, we would love to talk to you. Uh, reach out to us and see if we can get you on the podcast. But a uh, friend of mine and I are starting this podcast, Logan Ayers, and we thought, hey, what, you know, why, why not start with sharing our story? So episode number one, we're going to get to know Logan Ayers. So Logan, uh, thanks for sharing your story. I know it's going to add a ton of value. So. I, I hope so. Glad to be here, Corey. Yeah. Well, uh, so Logan currently serves as the chief, chief operating officer at Fusion Hospitality. How many ho- hotels you guys have? We, we've got 19 that are operational right now, and we've got another six or seven that are in development, various stages of construction or, or several are near opening. Yeah, and I mean, you guys are, what's like your coverage area? I mean, it's pretty large. Yeah, we're, we're all over northeast Mississippi, parts of Tennessee. Um, we've been in and out of Alabama and, and had our eyes uh, on a couple of other states as well. So uh, at, at the peak, we were tri-state, and right now we're operating in two and eyeballing a couple of others. Yeah, so no small thing right there that you guys have going on and. You're the COO, and tell everybody who who don't know you how old you are. I'm 29. As of a couple weeks ago, um, I told my wife I'll be 29 for the rest of my life. I'm going to keep it capped under 30, um, and uh, and keep it right there. That's awesome. I mean, at a at a young age, and you know, a COO. We know that titles and positions. You know, it's one thing that somebody saw talent and potential within you, but really. A title and a position is really just an invitation to the leadership table, right? And it's only to buy you time to gain influence or to undermine influence. And you've been in that role for a time now. But I share that to say that, you know, you don't just get the title of a COO. So I would love to hear uh, your story of how you got here, right? Like what what brought you to the point you are now? Sure. Um, well, I was... Uh, I was born in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, I uh, moved to Grenada shortly thereafter, about six months old, don't remember anything about Jackson, uh, and moved to Tupelo, Mississippi uh, when I was about five. Um, I was raised in Tupelo um, for my entire life. Um, had a very stable, very normal two-parent household, went to church every time the doors were open uh, up until about the time I was 14. Um, and, and then we found out that a lot of, um, a lot of what had been going on in my family was, uh, was not the truth. Hmm. Um, so my dad left, um, my mom stayed and, and raised myself and my two sisters, uh, from the time I was 14 until, uh, till she let me out of the house. And, uh, so we, we had some challenges growing up that don't necessarily meet the eye. Um, when I was 15, I was working three jobs and helping mom with the light bill. Wow. Uh, and then I'd go to practice, uh, played several sports at TCPS, was part of the first graduating class there. Um, so when we were ninth grade, we didn't have 10th graders, we didn't have 11th graders, and we didn't have 12th graders. Um, and the school made the investment in us to 
keep adding a grade as we aged so that we could graduate there. Um, so I was part of that first graduating class. Um, went on to uh, went on to play soccer at ICC and then um, get a finance degree at Ole Miss. Um, when I left Ole Miss, I went to Atlanta, worked in commercial real estate information and analytics for a large company doing about $700 million a year in revenue, um, the leader in the space worldwide, and um, absolutely hated it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I found that the the job was not at all what I thought, and there were a, a lot of things in big, white-collar corporate America uh, beyond the incredible benefits and office views and uh, what some would call culture mm-hmm. um, that just really didn't make sense. Uh, the, the incentives of the shareholders weren't necessarily aligned with the incentives of the people that were carrying out the work on a day-to-day basis. Uh, from the bottom rung all the way to the top, and I was on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of things didn't make sense to me, um, and I started looking pretty soon. Um, at the same time, my wife, now girlfriend at the time, said, I, you know, it'd be really great if you wanted to come back to Northeast Mississippi. <laughs> uh, and uh, so I, I made that decision and joined Fusion Hospitality about five years ago. Um, at that point, I, I worked directly for the chief operating officer, uh, had no direct reports, um, and my job was to be a sponge, watch, learn, see what we could do better, and provide support for pretty much anybody that needed it, whether it be the accounts payable team, whether it be the chief operating officer himself, or um, some of the hotel-specific teams. Um, so I, I did that for about four or five months, and uh, our CEO said, I need you to go to Memphis and uh, or Olive Branch, Mississippi, and uh, we've got some challenges at a hotel up there, and I need you to go handle those. So uh, I got my first day-to-day hotel experience there for a few months while we, while we dealt with that. Um, got the train back on the tracks, and uh, the company really started focusing on growing through acquisitions. Um, as we grew through acquisitions, I became our acquisition specialist. So instead of sending a team uh, to to kind of close those deals in terms of license transfers, moving employees or team members over to to our legal entities, getting licenses, permits, uh, certificates of occupancy, uh, all of those sorts of things, so that the hotel can keep operating. Um, that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my region, uh, as a director of operations at that point, grew from one hotel to six, and I went from having zero team members that I was responsible for <laughs> to about 20 at one hotel to ultimately somewhere between 150 and 200 for, for Memphis in the course of about 18 months wow. while doing the acquisitions. Um, and I learned a lot really fast about what I was not good at and uh, what I needed to work on and, um, and improve and lots of things that we could do as a company, processes and systems that were in place that didn't scale very well from a small company with eight hotels to the company that we are with 19 hotels that are bigger and higher asset values and more team members today. Yeah. Um, so... Um, after a couple of years of that, I moved back to Tupelo, took over the chief operating officer role uh, when there came a vacancy there. Um, 
and that's kind of where we are today. Hmm. So one thing that really stuck out is when you're talking about your mom, right? So when he says TCPS, that's a private school. Yes. Right? You have to pay to go there. And your mom's raising you and your two sisters, and you're working to help her pay for that. I mean, what, what was that like? Did you realize it at the time, or does it more stick out to you now? Uh, definitely, uh, as every year goes by, I have more appreciation for the sacrifices that my mom made to, yeah. to be able to keep food on the table and keep us in uh, an environment where we had an opportunity to be successful. Um, we were exposed to certain things, uh, but we didn't live in an environment where those things permeated everything that mm-hmm. we did. She wanted to keep us in a place where we had teachers that were going to pour into us and that were like-minded, where we had parents of other kids that could uh, help her after school um, and where I was able to play five different sports and and be able to learn what hard work looks like, what being on a team looks like, what hard work on a team where you're not very good at that sport looks like and hard work when you're on a team and you're a leader and you're one of the – one of the better players on the team. Um, so I, I really appreciate, as every year goes by, more the sacrifices that she made. And to be honest, I don't know how she did it without yeah. us missing some meals. Yeah. Because now I know what it costs to put food on the table. Um, yeah. And and I'm not how, I'm not sure how she did it. Yeah. And she made that sacrifice, and I look where you guys are now you know that's pretty awesome uh you know i've gotten to know you over the last really over a couple of months i guess and one of the things that's impressive to me I mean, you're super talented super smart and intelligent but one of the things that impresses me is that you're not complacent right like you're at this role it, it's the next i mean the the highest one uh i guess higher step than where you are right now is the owner of the whole place right so um but you're not complacent and you're not necessarily satisfied with where you are. What's that driving force behind you? Is there some kind of circumstance of life that kind of did that, that you think about or what drives you? Well, Corey, I think it's, it's several things. One, I, I believe that if you're not growing, you're dying. Yeah. Um, and two, um, I'd be lying if I said I'm not I'm not scared to go back where I came from mm. in a place of scarcity versus a place of abundance. Yeah. Um, so I really believe in never stopping doing the things that got you where you are. Yeah. Um, and, and another would be curiosity. Um, I, I have a curiosity to see um, how good I can become at something, mm. uh, whether it's sports, whether it's fitness or health uh, or work. Uh, and whatever it may be, uh, I'm just curious about peak performance and how you can get a little bit better. Yeah. And, and you're like that in, in all areas, too, because you play soccer. Mm-hmm. And there's some small disciplines that you talk about in soccer because <laughs> well, I, I love it because I think it's awesome. I mean, you do like cupping. You do like e-stem. All these small disciplines. Like, tell me... Tell the people who are listening some of the things you do, why you choose to do those, and why you don't let it bother you that somebody else may call it weird or out of the box, right? Yeah, Corey, I'll do pretty much anything that's not illegal to get an edge. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I really 
really love doing things that I know other people won't do. Um, sometimes I like to go to work on Saturday night just because I know my competition's not at work on Saturday night and it <laughs> makes me feel like I've earned some result in the future. Yeah. Um, but for, for soccer and health and fitness, I love cupping. Uh, my wife is kind enough to, um, to help me with cupping a couple of times a week. Um, I, I do electronic stimulation with a, with a complex, uh, once every couple of weeks, um, lots of foam rolling, um, use the, uh, the stick that you'll see on the sidelines of, uh, football games, uh, roll, rolling yeah. out, um, muscle flossing with compression bands, um, do my physical therapy movements from when I had been hurt a few years back. I still do those three or four times a week. Um, just anything that could possibly give me an edge and, and keep me performing at the highest level that God created my body to perform at. I don't know what the ceiling is and it's different for every single person, but I want to see what mine is and stay as close to it as possible for as long as possible. Yeah. And those are some things, those are just some things that you, you do to stay healthy in your body temple. What about, are there some disciplines you use whenever it comes to professional life too? Uh, I think I'm always trying to learn something new, whether it be through a book, through a podcast, um, an audible book, um, trying to put myself around people that are better than me so that I can level myself up. Um, executive coaching with you, um, just really trying to be extremely intentional about the people and the things that I put into my mind so that I can, you know, do as the Lord commands us and take captive every thought. Um, and then, and then your mind go about, goes about trying to carry out those thoughts, um, and that turn into beliefs and and actions. Yeah. You know, the people we surround ourselves with, I mean, it, that is huge. And we know that as a kid, you know, you, you, I don't want my kids hanging out doing these kind of things and hanging out with these kind of people. And I think as adults, we tend to think, well, when you get out of school, you know, that no longer applies. But I mean, it applies forever, right? Because um, who you hang out with is kind of the average of what you'll be. And, you know, uh, you, you kind of mentioned that if if you're the smartest one in the room, then you need to find you a new room, right? That's right. So someone always stretching you. Yeah. So um, some of those things like the cupping and the e-stem and even coaching or one of the things we do in coaching is we, we write that vision statement, right? And we, we, you know, visualize it and those kind of things. And you made a vision board, right? Uh, of awesome bunker that you've got. But some people will call that weird or strange or some people may not even act and and do the things that may take them to another level because they're afraid of what people would say Mm -hmm. what would you say to those people um i I would say for me um i don't want what other people have Mm. i think in general um the average american is in debt um we're eating a standard american diet we don't feel good uh, we're not living life abundantly um, as the Lord designed us to do Um, and so I don't desire to be average I don't want what other people have that A Um, word I I want to be the best that I can possibly be Um, 
So I'm always trying to expand my horizons and see how can I get an edge? How can I get a little bit better? Um, because I think growth is where a lot of fulfillment comes from. Yeah. You know, you mentioned in, in your intro there, um, when you're about 14 or so, that things are earlier than that, that things just weren't what they appear. you think that has anything to kind of shaped you who you are or and if so how how has that kind of shaped you i I definitely think that's had a a big impact and definitely as the older i get and i reflect back on those things it continues to have a larger impact on on who i am um i think there were I, i was uh in a place growing up where um we were raised in a christian household and we were um you know, at church all the time, but there was an integrity gap. Mm. Um, and so I, I think at times I probably even overcompensate, um, on that front. You know, if, if Sadie, my wife tells me, Hey, uh, I'm going to pick up dog food on the way home and she doesn't, I don't mind that the dog food isn't picked up, but I, it, it bothers me to no end that you didn't do something that you said you were going to do. So I, I, really try to put fences around that and uh, follow through on things that I say that I'm going to do and, and act with integrity because that's just kind of a core tenet of mine um, and has really shaped um, how I do things, um, including the things I tell myself that I'm going to do. Yeah. If, if I'm not going to get up early tomorrow morning and go work out, then I'm not going to lay my clothes out and tell myself I'm going to do it because I feel like that's where a lot of self-confidence comes from is keeping the promises you make to yourself. Uh, and it gives you the confidence to uh, achieve things you want to achieve and to build integrity and trust and confidence with other people. Yeah, that's good. That, that self-discipline right there, you know, most of us hold other people to a higher standard, right? We, we judge people based on what they do, but we judge ourselves based on our intentions, right? I intended to do such and such, but when you hold your own self to a higher standard than you hold other people, then yeah, that's when you really can start to take off. I, I think it's funny about, um, I, I kind of internally laughed about your wife when you said pick up the dog food. She yeah. said she would and she doesn't. Because she's a, she's a lot like I am. When you when you think about the disc profile, those four personalities, she's a high I, which tend to be impulsive. They're, you know, big visionary, you know, great communicators, those kind of things. And I'm the same way. And my wife will say, um, go by and get this, this, and this. But the most important thing is don't forget the diapers for the baby. Or most important thing is the milk. And the one thing I always forget is the most important thing, right? It's not that I intend to, you know, but anyway. uh, So so along with that, what, what, you know, what's a pet peeve of yours? So uh, what kind of ticks you off right there? Not doing what you say you're going to do. And and Corey, I'm going to challenge you on that because I think you know my, I think you know my stance on this, but (laughs) I don't believe in forgetting. Yeah. I I don't, I I think forgetting is a misnomer. Yeah. Um, I I think that, um, there's only prioritization. Uh, and so if my, if I tell my wife I'm going to do something and I forget, it's because there was something else that deprioritized what I told her yeah. and, uh, and I didn't get it done. Uh, so I can't tell her that. Uh, the, the, <laughs> Don't be listening. The, no, uh, but uh, I, I really think that helps us to 
in all seriousness, take responsibility for things and, and take ownership and make sure that we hold up our, our end of the deal for, for people when we tell them that we'll do things is it's, you know, there was something else that took precedent there and that's my fault. Yeah. Um, so next time I'll make sure to prioritize the way I told you I would prioritize. Um, and that's a really tough thing to do. Um, and I'm really good at it about 30% of the time and really bad at it 70% of the time. But if I can get a little bit better every day, um, then I'll get where I need to be. Yeah. And, and, you know, as I've grown in my own self-awareness, that is a big time fault of mine because I'm, you know, squirrel, squirrel, (laughs) right. You know, and I'm trying to remember it, but it is shiny object over here, right? I get that SOS shiny object syndrome, but, but as I have grown in that awareness, I know that it, it's important and I, I understand that that can tend to sidetrack me. So I, I have gotten better and I appreciate you challenging me on that. I think that's, that's great. And that's, you know, and to me, you know, we talk about iron sharpens iron, being around people who won't let you off the hook for those kind of things. Most people will say, Oh, well you, you gave it your best shot. You tried, but true friends don't allow friends to get away with shallow answers or shallow attempts, right? It's, it's holding people accountable. And I think we need people like that. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. 100% there. So, um, I got a question for you. So I heard this the other day. Um, I was talking to a guy and he was, he was actually talking to some high school kids and he asked them the question, if you had power, what would you do with it? And I thought that was an interesting question. Uh, so, Logan, if you had a ton of power, what would you do with it? This is a really tough question. It is. Uh, it's, it's a very <laughs> difficult question, but I I think if I had power, I would take away injustice. Mm. Um, I probably could have put injustice or unfairness on uh, on my short list of pet peeves. Yeah. Um, I think it's one of those triggers for me that goes back to childhood because I feel like uh, my mom and our family got a lot of things that were unwarranted. Um, and I think there are a lot of families out there that um, it's just really not fair that a great kid is raised in an environment where they don't have the same opportunity to succeed. Um, so I think I would take away injustice. Yeah, wow. That's a, that, that is a tough question. When I heard him ask, Asked that to some like juniors and seniors in high school, um, it, it obviously stumped them, but it stumped me too. And I, I'd been thinking about it for a while, and um, just found that a, a really interesting question there. So, um, but it, it also brings us back to um, you know Christ's grace and the fact that we don't get what we deserve. Yeah, um, mm, that's good. So I, I think that's awesome, and that's great silver lining. Uh, but if I had power, I would love to. I would love for all the good people, hardworking people out there, to get what they deserve, yeah. um, and the people that are shortcutting uh, to not be able to to cut those folks off at the kneecaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I see that. So um, you're you're doing. You know, we've talked about your current role, and you're also doing some other really big things with uh, a friend of ours, Chris, and you guys have a your co-owners, uh, partners in that, doing some really big things with that. You're 29, right? 
What would you say to those people who use age as an excuse? So I'm too young to do this or I'm too old to do this, but they use it as an excuse not to do the things that they would like to do or that that little tugging in their heart to try something new, but it's an excuse for them. What would you say to them? I would say age is just a number. Yeah, um, that's the same thing that I told uh, I told the kids that I was counseling when I was at Victory Ranch as a summer camp counselor, and I'd have a I'd have a cabin full of eight to ten boys uh, every week, cycling and out for eight weeks every summer, mm-hmm. and oftentimes I would have the eleven year olds, and my counterpart would have the twelve year olds, and would go to the kickball field. And they'd say, but those guys are bigger and faster and older. And I would say, guys, age is just a number. Um, and sometimes we'd win and sometimes we'd lose. Um, but that's the same thing I would tell anybody else. Um, you got to get out there and put in the work. Um, you have to be very intentional about where you want to end up. You will not wander into success. Um, so I believe in having a clear vision uh, you've helped me tremendously with getting some of that vision out of my head and on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, but age is definitely just a number. And not only that, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, an event that we talked about a couple of weeks ago that had a big impact on me was um, was the helicopter crash in, in Los Angeles yeah. that, that carried Kobe Bryant and several, uh, several other passengers. Um, several of which coaches um, that were all out there and all had big plans for their teams that year. They all had big plans for their coaching careers. Kobe had a big plan with his foundations, with making movies, with writing books, and he won't have that opportunity. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking to take the leap, I think you have to take the leap because you don't know if you don't know when your helicopter ride is. Sure. Um, so it's it's our jobs to max out while we can max out. Yeah, I like that. Um, <clears throat> I'm part of the the John Maxwell team, and John Maxwell don't know who that is. He's you know world renowned um, leadership expert. Um, anyway, he's like seventy something. His dad is still living. His dad is like ninety three or ninety four, and his dad said um, the other day ninety three living like in an assisted living home type place. And he said, my best years are still yet to come. I I really believe that. And uh, I love that because, you know, there are some people who are young at 80. And then there are some people who are old at 30, right? Like you said, age is is just a number, right? You're not guaranteed tomorrow. All you really have is today. So um, don't use that as an excuse. I, I love that answer. That was good. I told Mac Davis the other day, I plan on peaking at 90. 90. <laughs> I'm not talking about mentally. I'm talking about physically. There you go. I, I like that, man. I like that. So um, let me ask you this, Logan. So we're starting this podcast on principles. and I, You came up with the title. I love the title um, because that that's the core of I think of what we're trying to capture. Why, why do a podcast? Why do you want to do a podcast? Uh, because it's out of my comfort zone yeah. and I feel like it'll be challenging. I feel like it'll be rewarding. Um, and I feel like it can add some value to people, uh, but really to expand our horizons and the people that we're able to come in contact with. And, uh, because there are a lot of people around us that have incredible stories and I don't think they realize it. And I don't think that, uh, those things are getting shared and the maximum impact and the community around us, 
um, because man, I have some incredible people that I work with and incredible people I go to church with. And, uh, I think oftentimes we just, Oh, well that, you know, that's the guy at church. That's one of the deacons. Well, that guy also happens to be the CEO of a division of the hospital or, um, you know, that, that person has six children and she's also running sales for a big organization. And we tend to gloss over those things. And I think providing a platform, uh, even if only one person listens to it and gets value from it, I think that person sharing their story and coming to the realization and having some self-awareness of, wow, I've really done some incredible things, uh, will add some value just to them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, I like that. No. Um I just wanted to see if there was anything that you wanted to add to to add value to people or something else about your story uh, before we wrap it up today. Just to max everything out, whether you're the janitor and uh, or, or at one of our hotels, you're one of the public area attendants, make that lobby tile the best lobby tile that anybody's ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, those things get noticed, but not only that, they just build self-confidence and they, they build value within you um, for you to build the confidence that you need to take the next step, whatever that next step is. If you're in a, in a marriage, max out providing value for, uh, for that person that you're married to. If you're in a partnership with your business, max that out. Um, some questions that I ask myself at the end of the day are what deposits or investments did I make in the areas that I'm trying to move the needle in my life? And I'll write those answers down each day. Uh, What investment did I make in my marriage or in my wife? What investment did I make financially to get me to the net worth I want to be at? What investment did I make for my business, for the hotel business? What investment did I make physically or to move my health markers that I want to move? Uh, And I think kind of auditing yourself um, and not letting yourself off the hook um, will really show you where you are and and where you need to go. But um, you'll be amazed what will happen if you'll just really max every single thing out. Um, You'll sleep really good at night. Uh, But don't leave any bullets in the gun. Yeah, that's good. So I I hope you did not miss... (laughs) One little thing that he just said right there that uh, each day, you know, he's holding himself accountable each day. And what we know is that growth doesn't happen in a day like that, right? It happens daily in the daily actions and the habits that we take. He's holding himself accountable to the things that are important to him. And I think most people don't do that, right? We just float through life and we respond and react. But if you truly want to get to where it is that you want to get to, you have to be intentional about it. I love that that answer. That was That was good. Intentionality is uh, such a powerful thing because we we really we really tend to to float. There's a there's a hymn that says we're prone to wander. Oh yeah, uh, and and that's so true. So it's it's just of vital importance to be intentional about where you want to go, who you put in your life, uh, because those those people are who you're going to become. Wow. Well. I hope this uh, first episode of Principles has added value to you. I, I, I know if you take a listen to it multiple times, you'll dig some nuggets out of the things that Logan shared, part of his story, and um, some, especially there at the end and throughout. It was really good. I hope, again, it has added value to you. If you've got a story that you would like to share or you know a friend or family member who's got a story that would impact and make a positive impact in the lives of other people, we would love to hear from you. Um, you can email us at Corey, C-O-R-Y, at 
CoreyLeeLeadership.com. Thank you guys again for um, taking a listen. Feel free to share this podcast with a friend or family member and uh, make sure you subscribe to it. Thank you guys. Have a great day and God bless. And remember, ask yourself, would you recommend yourself? Oh, would you recommend yourself? As a partner, as a husband or a wife, as an employee, as a business owner, would you recommend yourself? Uh, And that question will... I think, change the way that we operate. Mm. Well, ending on that, I think that's a key principle to live by. So thank you, Logan, for your time. And you guys have a great day. And God bless.